0: Good afternoon. I call this oversight hearing to order. Access to clean, reliable water is essential for the health and well-being of all people in the United States. But this access is under increasing threat, and the need to find solutions is urgent. Families and communities across the country face daily risks to safe, affordable, and reliable water supplies. That's why this committee, along with the Energy and Natural Resources and Environment and Public Works Committees coordinated hearings to examine the ongoing challenges to clean water access. For too many Native communities, the total lack of access to clean and safe drinking water and sanitation facilities is an everyday reality. An estimated 2% of Native homes lack access to safe water supply or wastewater disposal facilities as compared to less than 1% of all homes in the United States. Native households are 19 times more likely than non-Native households to lack indoor plumbing, and approximately 29% of Native homes need sanitation improvements. These statistics aren't just numbers on a page. They reflect real threats to the health, safety, and well-being of Native peoples living on Indian reservations, on Hawaiian homelands, and in Alaska Native villages. The COVID-19 pandemic ripped the Band-Aid off and exposed these inadequacies Spurring Congress to act with urgency. So over the last two and a half years, Congress and this committee worked hard to address water insecurity in Native communities, resulting in the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act. These landmark laws cleared long-standing water and sanitation infrastructure backlogs by delivering three and a half billion dollars to IHS for critical water and sanitation infrastructure, two and a half billion dollars to fully fund existing water rights settlements and millions of dollars in dedicated funding for drought mitigation in Native communities. Today, we will hear from our witnesses on how the bipartisan infrastructure law and the IRA are addressing water access disparities, and we will learn about the work we still have to do to protect water as a trust resource and secure access for all Native communities. Let's be clear, ensuring water access is not just the right thing to do. It is the federal government's trust and treaty responsibility. It's our legal obligation not to just to reserve rights, but to live up to our promises and take affirmative steps to secure this access to the best of our ability. Before I turn to the vice chair for her opening statement, I'd like to extend my aloha to Chairman Cully Watson and my many thanks to our witnesses for joining us today. Vice Chair Murkowski.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I, I really am appreciative that we're having this hearing today. You've outlined the case, the priorities, but um, for most of us here in this country, filling up our glass with tap water or washing our hands is, is, is pretty commonplace. But as we know, unfortunately, it is not the case for far too many of our Native communities. According to the IHS, one in ten Native Americans lack access to clean water or indoor plumbing, It's often the case that tribal members in remote communities pay a premium to haul water to their homes by by truck or barge. Others fill drums with river water or rainwater um, that oftentimes fails to meet water quality standards. In Alaska, roughly 20% of Native homes don't have adequate supply of clean water or a connection to a sewer system. There's an estimated 3,000 homes in 34 villages that are completely without basic indoor plumbing. I've been to many of these communities. Um, Many of these underserved communities use communal facilities. They're called washaterias, but it's where you go to wash your clothes. It's where you go to to take a shower for your family. So if you've got a a husband and wife and four or five kids, um, and you're living in a village of 350 people, and you have a washateria that has four washers, four dryers, maybe they all work. Usually they don't. Um, usually in these washaterias, the showers are not, um, uh, many of them are not operational. I've gone to certain villages where the entire washateria has been closed for the past year. So when you think about what does that mean, what does that mean just from... Your own personal sanitation. How you keep, how you keep your kids clean. How you, um, how you make sure that you are, you are able to to really meet some pretty basic needs. Um, instead of flushable toilets, in so many of these homes, um, they have a system that we call a honey bucket, and a honey bucket is no more sophisticated than, than basically a, a Home Depot bucket that's sitting in the corner. Um, sometimes there's a screen around it. Uh, I think for most in this room today, you can't imagine what it means to, to to basically collect your human waste in a bucket and have somebody empty it. I've been to many of these villages. Um, I have shared a story with many back home of, of being in one village, um, Uh, I asked to use the facilities before we left the the community center, and I was told that they don't have any in the community center, but I was invited to go over to the mayor's mom's home, um, which was not too many homes down. And I went in and uh, was directed to a corner in a kitchen right next to the stove, toilet paper sitting on top of the stove, and there's the bucket in the corner and the the mom and a daughter were sitting at the table beating without interruption because this was just a function of life. And so I share it because um, it should shock us as Alaskans. It should shock us as Americans that um, basic, basic matters, like safe water, drinking water, basic sanitation needs, are still so unmet in so many places. They can be a hazard to public health. Um, we can recount. Uh, we can recount what it meant during COVID time to not be able to properly wash your hands. Um, and it's not just not just the 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 water sewer and washing your hands with COVID. Studies show that infants in the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta are up to 11 times more likely to be hospitalized for respiratory infections and pneumonia than those with access to piped water. Um, so, as Chairman, you mentioned the bipartisan infrastructure law and the historic, uh, the historic investment that was made in sanitation system construction. We're seeing some improvement. We're starting to see some gains connecting homes to sewer and water treatment systems in villages like Akiachak and Stebbins. Stebbins, they've been waiting for water there for 40 years. I was there um, uh, earlier this year, and I asked, "How? it's taken 40 years, when are we going to see running water? When are we finally going to see it? And I was told it's going to be a little bit more time that even with the funding, it's going to take maybe a couple years. And I thought that the people in that community meeting would be outraged that it was going to take a couple years. And one man said to me, you know, I've waited 40 years. I can wait another couple years. Now that was his comment. When I went and I talked to the women at the back of the room who'd been waiting to be able to have an easier way to wash clothes, not have to haul water to do the dishes to wash their family, they're like, hurry it up. But we're seeing, we're seeing things moving uh, in Kipnuk, in Tuluksak, in Tununak, in Wales. This is going to be a big step forward. But we know Native communities are going to face additional challenges to water and sanitation infrastructure. Erosion, melting permafrost or damaging rural water systems actually faster than we can rebuild them. EPA's latest tribal needs survey estimates that $4 billion is needed for tribal water system over the next 20 years, nearly $1 billion in Alaska alone. Projects constructed today will require recapitalization in the years ahead. And of course, inflation is driving up the cost of labor and materials for tribes that operate and maintain these systems. Earlier this year, I asked GAO to conduct a study on agency support for tribal O&M costs, My understanding is that the GAO is going to start work on that request within the next few weeks. Looking forward to to those findings and recommendations from that work. This issue requires whole-of-government approach, and I'm glad both the ENR and EPW committees here in the Senate are also looking at water issues. One committee, though, Mr. Chairman, you and I have talked about, and we are engaging with them on, is the Agriculture Committee uh, with the Farm Bill right around the corner here, Um, But there are, uh, under USDA, eight grant and technical assistance programs specific to tribes, along with many other water programs at Rural Development and Rural Housing Service. So um, that is yet another opportunity for us. So, Ms. Chairman, again, um, I thank you for the hearing today. I'm looking forward to hearing from our panel about ways that we can optimize all of these programs across the federal government to ensure that Native people have access to affordable clean water, and basic sanitation, something that every person deserves. So that concludes my opening. I'm happy to uh, introduce our Alaskan witness when it is appropriate, but happy that we're, we're here today. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Vice Chair Murkowski. I'll uh, now introduce the witnesses. Uh, we have the Honorable Brian Newland, the Assistant Secretary, Secretary for Indian Affairs at the Department of the Interior. We have Mr. Ben, Benjamin Smith, Deputy Director at IHS uh, at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Um, we have uh, a Curry, the Speaker of the Navajo Nation Council in Arizona. Um, uh, my friend Kali Watson, the Chairman of the Hawaiian Homes Commission and the Director of the Department of Hawaiian Homelands, um, and the and Professor Heather Tanana. Did I say that right? Tanana, darn, Tanana. Uh, initiative lead, Universal Access to Clean Water for Tribal Communities Project in San Clemente, uh, California. And um, uh, Vice Chair Murkowski, if you'd like to introduce your witness.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Valerie Davidson is uh, going to be joining us virtually from Anchorage. She is the president and CEO of the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium. She was born in, in Bethel. She's an tribal, enrolled tribal citizen of the Aruts are see you, you mispronounced Tanana in Alaska we say it Tanana so I'm gonna get really confused there but uh, uh, Val is part of o of onv uh, see um, but she has been not only an extraordinary leader for us but uh, In the Alaska Native communities, but she previously served as our Lieutenant Governor for the state of Alaska. So pleased to be able to welcome Val Davidson.